This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. I'd like to shout out the biggest villain I know. It's the person that talks during the movie. Oh, that Makes, guy sucks. I hate that guy. And guess what? It's often me. Oh, anyway, no. And you know what? If I could talk to that guy, I'd say, how do you sleep at night? That's what I would say to this scourge of a person. <laughs> but I know what the answer already. I know the answer. Mattress Firm. Mattress mm. Firm has quality mattresses at every price for your best rest. Yes, even those who don't deserve to rest, like that person who talks during the movie, even they can get the bed that will make it happen from Mattress Firm. See a lower price at another retailer? Mattress Firm will match it up to 120 nights with their low price guarantee. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night, even if you're a bad person. Restrictions apply. See mattressfirm.com or stores for details. Hi, my name is Michelle Zahner. And I feel elated about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Hey there, it's Conan O'Brien. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I'm chilling with my, my best buds. Oh wait, no I'm not. I'm here with Sona. <laughs> <laughs> and with Matt Gorley. Sorry, for a That's second okay. I thought I was with my best friends ever. Sona and I are best buds. Yeah, we're but, besties. Yeah. I can sense that. You guys have a very strong connection. Yeah. yeah. I don't get it myself. Um, Since I, day one. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, even before that, I think just oh. before All Space and Time. Do you think you <laughs> knew each other in past lives? Yeah. It's when you possible were... we ran into each other where we grew up. That's right. We grew up a city apart from each other. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I meant like thousands of years ago. Were oh. you guys doing the equivalent of a podcast near some ancient ruins? No, she was Cleopatra and I was Mark Antony. <laughs> yeah. I love how in past lives, everyone's famous. I know. And I was not. I've looked into it. Oh. I was always a guy holding a shovel or being killed with a shovel. Right. Throughout history. Hopefully in all by us. Of the world. Yes, yeah. by you. Yeah. I was killed by Napoleon with a shovel. <laughs> And I was killed by Cleopatra with a shovel. It's surprising you haven't been killed by a shovel yet in this life. Yeah. I've been attacked many times with shovels, but because we're in the modern era, I'm usually able to get to my car quickly. <laughs> and the blows slide ineffectually off the hood of my car. Okay. Um, Sona, are you comfortable tonight? D today? I'll say today, but it could be any time <laughs> of day where we are. And I said tonight just to try and throw the listener off. Oh, well, okay. I don't want me. them to know. I didn't know when. We're in a 
windowless room. So yeah. it might as well be nighttime, but well, it is not. We just started. You were just outside and it's bright and it's sunny. But it, no, I'm chilly. You're chilly. I am. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. I wanted to address that because um, I don't care. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to make that clear. Because just before we started to record, Sona did this whole thing about, I'm not, I, I'm kind of cold. And we all said, well, do you want to go get a jacket or something? And you said, no, 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 no. But I'm just, I'm slightly, slightly chilly, but not enough for, and I'm thinking, this is, this is something I'm supposed to be thinking about. I, Conan O'Brien. And then you bring it back while we're recording. You bring I the want, conversation back to it. I want people to know what a silly fuss budget you are. I want to talk about how it is cold in this studio, but not cold enough to like put on a jacket, but it's cold where you need some sort of layer on top of what you're wearing. How about this? Here is a, a tissue. There's Good some tissues Lord. right next to me. What if I just drape these? I'm draping them onto Sona right okay, now. Thank you. There, I just draped. That shoulder should be 0.04% warmer. <laughs> Do you know how many times if you've said you were like cold or something, I'll be like, oh my God, I gotta get a jacket because that was my job as an assistant. <laughs> yeah, as if. What do I'm you mean? I'm sorry. I always cared about your comfort. <laughs> uh, even, even I'm not really uh, buying that one. I did. You didn't. Famously didn't. I didn't always, but I did sometimes. Again, one of my favorite pictures is us somewhere, and there I'm taking a oh, yeah. selfie with like 15 people, a whole series of selfies, and in the foreground, Sony's ignoring me and having the largest pour of white wine I've seen in North America. God bless okay. you. Well, I mean, all I'm saying is there have been times when you've you've been like, oh, I I'm you know chilly or I'm warm, and I would have been like, oh, okay. I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. I honestly and listen, you know, I love you, but I honestly don't think so. That is not your instinct. Yeah, it now, is. Now I've seen that it's your instinct with your children, right? Uh, but no, it was, it was never your instinct. I with me. care about their comfort more than I've ever cared about yours. But yes. I also I birthed them. Yeah, you, I know you. I didn't. I worked for you, but I didn't birth you. So well, I'm glad, think I'm, you know what? I'm, there was a huge misunderstanding here. <laughs> I could have sworn that you birthed me. What are you talking about? We all know that. Was Besides, working for him as painful as birthing a child, <laughs> <Yeah>. though? <laughs> it was worse. I, I needed an epidural every day. Yeah. <laughs> push, Sona, push. <laughs> Just get through the day with Conan. Push. Uh. I have a standing appointment with an anesthesiologist just to come in here. Yeah. yeah. An anesthesiologist. You had trouble with it. It was because right? I'm anesthesiology. <laughs> All I'm saying is uh, I was a little chilly and no one, I mean, people like Matt offered me his jacket. Blay was like, I could go get yours. And you didn't do anything or I, say anything. I don't have a jacket with me. But you have a comfy looking sweater. You I do. I wore a off. sweater. I just thought, you know what? I saw uh, Banshees of Minishir and I've decided to wear sweaters a lot now. And I want to, I want to dress uh, like everyone in, in Banshees of Inishir. It's, it's Los Angeles. I know, but, but I'm going right to commit to it. You know what I'm going to do? Nice. I'm going to get a little stove that burns peat. Yeah. And I'm going to ha have it in my uh, in the Conoco offices. And I'm going to burn peat like they do in the old this farm is country. bullshit because you're turning into the caricature you paint of me. Yeah. I, but okay, so what? You know, maybe secretly I'm just jealous. Really? Yeah. I think you're, you have cool stuff. <laughs> What's you happening? Do. What's happening? I'm sorry. You have your, I think your house is really cool. What is happening? And you have. I am uncomfortable by this. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be. I, I'm admitting to you that sometimes when I attack somebody for something, it's because secretly I envy what they possess. 
no. You have a really cool arts and crafts home in Pasadena. Oh, no. Where it's 140 degrees in the summer. There's part of me that envies that. Arts and crafts home? Yeah. Yeah. It's a style. Craftsman. Yeah, I mean, but I they can also work. call it. Yeah. You can also call true? it arts. And That's arts the original and term. I think. That's the original is that term. True? There's yeah. a movement. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. also, it means it, it could also mean that his uh, his house was constructed by children. That's true. During a half hour period. <laughs> yeah, it was in, finger painted in, in elementary school. school. With Elmer's glue made of Elmer's glue. Yeah. <laughs> it is now that Glenn's running. No, you have, you have very. Yeah, you have a nice, uh, very nice right, set. Well, let's move on. I didn't. I didn't. Didn't that make you uncomfortable? That was nice to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're still an incredible dork. Okay, okay here That's we go. That's better. That's better. Ah, uh, terra firma. <laughs> We're back where we need to be. And Sona, if you're you're in any way need anything, please let us know. I don't like the way you. <laughs> why did your voice have to change just to be because nice? Because I'm making fun of you. <laughs> yeah, you turn into That's Lucy why. Ricardo's boss. <laughs> Lucille, Lucille. <laughs> uh I, uh, I'm very excited about today's show. I'll tell you why. My guest today, a very talented writer and musician who authored the best-selling memoir, Crying in H Mart. She's an amazing writer. And uh, she's also the lead vocalist of the alt-pop band Japanese Breakfast. They are massive right now. Very cool. Uh, and I got to see her at Coachella and I was blown away. So excited she's here today. Michelle Zahner, welcome. First of all, I am thrilled that you're here. I love that I'm talking to you. I was telling you just before we started recording that my daughter, Nev, is an insane, massive fan. Interestingly, this story begins a number of months ago when my daughter says, I want you to come with me to Coachella. <laughs> and I say, sure, that's just the place for someone my age, <laughs> right? So we start driving and my daughter did a really cool thing. She's just, she didn't tell me who the bands were, but she started playing me on the long drive, started playing me all this different music and saying, you tell me who you think we should go see when we're there. And she's playing me all different kinds of music. And I'm saying, I like this one. I like that band. Yeah, this one's really good. And then I singled out, she played me a couple of songs and I said, this is the band we have to see. We have to see this band. And she said, correct, that is Japanese <laughs> breakfast. That's amazing. Yeah, and um, she sort of said it like, there's hope for this old fool. <laughs> so um, then we get to Coachella and she's played me so much of your music that I'm excited to see you. And we go to your tent show and you come out and you're performing. And I think you're playing the song Paprika and there's a gong on stage, <laughs> yeah. a small gong. and you know, I'm someone who loves to be on stage and I can tell when someone else loves to be on stage. You come out, you're <laughs> kicking ass. I love your music. You're playing some paprika and it's so joyous. And you keep, you keep running over and hitting a gong. <laughs> and I had never seen anybody do that before. <laughs> yeah. And then you're, you're, you're back to playing a song and then you rush over and hit the gong again. And I was, I'm in the crowd and I'm, I'm, I'm yelling at my daughter, gong, that's genius. <laughs> Why didn't I do that? Years when I was doing a monologue every night at night, I should have said like, yeah, I'm more like Donald Trump and then run over and hit a gong. Yeah. Why didn't I do that? I don't know. It's very cathartic. I, I highly recommend incorporating <laughs> it. Into... I want a gong. <laughs> yeah. At the next live podcast recording, you'll just have a gong next to you. And the cool thing is it's not a giant gong. It's a small, it's a smaller gong that makes like a crashing sound, right? 
I don't feel like it's that small. Well, but. it's not. The gongs I'm thinking of are the ones that are. Oh, that like do, behind the who or something. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Keith Moon would get up right. at the end, run over and hit. And it would be like, gong. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of uh, kind of a joke, I yes, guess. Yeah. This was, um, yeah, it's not small, but. Uh, yeah, don't call my gong small. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, it's a man. sizable gong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Michelle is walking out of the interview. Yeah. What happened? What did you say? I said the gong seemed kind of small to me. <laughs> you did what? You gong shamed her. I gong shamed you. <laughs> That's the worst thing you can do. And then I was just talking to you. I just mentioned that. And you said you, you saw me in the crowd. Yes. I do stick out. Yes, I guess. yes. You're very tall. It's like Big Bird from Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, we were Check up. out your set. It was hard to not just like look at you when when we were playing because we were all just like oh my god Conan O'Brien is like watching us play <laughs> and so I felt like I like really had to perform for you and I feel like I was just like watching you and like hoping that you didn't like walk away right uh, I that did was not like walk my, away that was like my marker yeah but then I, looking in retrospect I feel like that must have been un uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> to be like someone's focal point you stood in the middle of the crowd no there's like a VIP area on the side okay yeah. but you weren't like blocking people behind because you I don't want you to be the tall guy in the audience, just like blocking everyone behind you. Why do you me? always have to go negative on me? <laughs> Why can't saying, this just be a joyous experience? I, I, when I'm hearing tall guy in the crowd, I just think those poor people behind you. Yeah, but oh, this uh, is the issue. Like, how yeah. tall is your daughter? Uh, my daughter is not super tall not like super me. Tall. Yeah, so yeah. Like, you know, She's average height. She would have to suffer if he, I, if, or you'd have yeah. to The other separate. thing I regret is That's I tried true. to, uh, I tried to surf the crowd. Oh, during, remember, And um, crushed crushed 11 people. I just got really excited and I jumped up and it turned out they were all about 19 and they just buckle and small. Yeah. And they all buckled and, and also they were like, why you just ruined Japanese breakfast for us. We all have to go to the hospital now. Oh no. Yeah. Did you try starting a mosh pit too? I tried that too. Oh, God. I threw stuff on stage and I kept hoping that Michelle would call me up on stage to sing one of my numbers. Oh. oh. <laughs> about growing up, you know, lonely and sad in Boston. But you didn't. <laughs> no. Um, and I had these observations I just wanted to talk to you about because I've also read your beautiful book, Crying in H Mart, which got a lot of attention and love. It's a memoir, and I told you, it is so well-written. You are uh, half Korean, mom's Korean, dad's American, you're born in Seoul, but then moved to Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and live not just like in downtown Eugene, yeah. but you live in the woods. Yes, yeah. Your last name is not Korean, but people people are constantly in your life as a child trying to figure out who you are. And I get the sense that you're also trying to figure out who you are as a kid. Is that is that fair? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we we all are. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was certainly an added uh, kind of like complication being in a very predominantly white neighborhood and, and feeling, uh, you know, like I think when you're a teenager, sort of everything is embarrassing, you know, like you're embarrassed if you're taller than the rest of the students mm -hmm. or, uh, yeah. And so I think that for me, that was just really mortifying and I couldn't figure out why it felt like such a, a big deal for a long time. And, you know, people would come up to you, kids would come up to you and say, what are you? Right, right. They want to know, I mean, kids need to label, not always from a bad place, they just want to fix on who you are. Yeah. Obviously, sometimes in a bad way, but I feel like and you're very isolated because, as I said, you're way out there. Yeah. And so you're spending a lot of time in nature 
alone, but you're not always happy about it. Yeah. Like you want to, I think it's important and it's another common thread with a lot of creative people is they want to get out. They want to get out there and see what's going on. Right, right. Which felt like when I read your book, you were very interested in that. Like, how yeah. do I get out of here and see stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think it was also partially like both of my parents are from larger cities. Mm-hmm. And like it was sort of, you know, Seoul is like a huge city. Yeah. And my dad is from Philadelphia. And so it was, I feel like they both just had very big personalities. So I was always going to have a very big personality. And my entire life, I've been told to, like, calm down or be quiet. I have, like, a very loud voice. Wow, you and I are kindred spirits. (laughs) I'm still being told to just shut up and calm down. Yeah, but I'm, and then, like, once I moved to New York, I was like, oh, I'm just, like, normal here. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I come from, so, like, for people who don't know, like, Eugene is, like, a real, like, hippy-dippy kind of town. Like, it's very granola, like, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was just kind of like a weird. It was a, I had a, a very beautiful childhood, but it was a weird sort of environment. And I think that that was a big part of why I became a very creative person because I was just bored because there was like no kids around. There was like no neighbors. I didn't have any siblings. I was an only child, and so I think I just got used to like spending a lot of time thinking about things. And I think uh, you just mentioned the word bored, and I I remember telling my wife early on when our daughter was born because we have there's such a culture now of kids must be constantly stimulated, you know? They're like listening to Beethoven yeah. in the womb. Then when the minute they, they're born- The iPad babies. Exactly, yeah. they're constantly stimulated. And I remember saying to my wife, and she agreed, I said, uh, we have to leave room for boredom because boredom is where the good stuff comes from. It's, you know, whether it's guys in Liverpools in the late 50s, like there's nothing to do let's make a band because there's nothing to totally. do and it's raining out. And uh, uh, and I think, especially at a place like Eugene, Oregon, <laughs> you know, you can't go outside and play every day. Mm. And, and it's bo- raining most of the it's time. It's raining most <laughs> yeah. of the time. And I think another thing that's really interesting is obviously you talk a lot in your book, which um, is very powerful, about your connection with your mother and how complicated it is and how there were periods where you were really at odds. Um, You cling to her as a child and then there's adolescence and you're really fighting her. And uh, you talk about this relationship and it feels like it was, some of that was the catalyst, I have to think, for some of the creativity possibly, This, this turbulence. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, it just made me realize like how, like it really affirmed how badly I wanted it, you know, because mm-hmm. I think that it's almost like if your parents are like, oh, great, like, yeah, go be an artist, uh, you, you almost like don't want it anymore. And right. so I think that like her being so adverse to like me being, following that path or just be, having so much concern about it yeah. made me so much more drawn to it and so sure that that was the path I needed to take because there was just nothing else for me in a way. Well, it's also, you. I mean, it, it took the wind out of me when I read it because you, when you play one of your first gigs, you are sort of teaching yourself guitar and you take like this, you find the right, t- a pretty good teacher at a, at a school that teaches a lot of people how to play guitar. The so lesson factory. The lesson, it literally, <laughs> <laughs> the lesson factory, which, which isn't a good name. You feel like what great art is going to come out of yeah, the lesson yeah. factory. Yeah. 
It was uh, like literally attached to a guitar center like we were. <laughs> it was bizarre. Right. And um, and everyone teaching you is enraged that their band didn't take off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're all like failed, like Craig said. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> so you t- – so – but you have this first gig and you play and your parents come and see you and you you so much want your mother's approval and you keep sort of bringing up the show <laughs> and then you get to this part in the book where you uh, sort of say, like, well, what'd you think? And she said, I'm just waiting for you to quit this. Yeah. Which uh, that's got to be devastating to hear. Yeah, but I mean, I think that I mean, I think that that's a big reason of why I am still doing it in a way. I've been, I was sort of like told no many, many times for for many years and uh, just had a very like embarrassing career for like 10 years sleeping on like floors strewn with like cat poop and, you know, trying to sleep while Did like a party Did you put the cat poop there or was it there naturally? <laughs> it was there naturally. Well, I didn't know if you laid it out. You think she laid out cat poop and yeah. then slept on it? Just because yeah. she thought that I've got to live the artist's life. Yeah, no, oh, okay. I, yeah. definitely not. I used to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very romantic. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, I don't know, now like when I look back at that, I'm like, that's exactly why uh, you are the way that you are. Because like, I, I don't know. I mean, she was like kind of setting me up for the rest of the world to do that. And so it's... I, I kind of appreciate that now. Yeah. um, You respond well to rejection. And you're, you know, it feels to me like you're a very strong person. And when you were told no, you doubled down. Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, but when you're a teenager, you're just like, I am like the next Paul McCartney or whatever, you know. So I think that you, I had like, you you have like that kind of like teenage like courage and ego. But I don't know. I, I think that I came, I was always like kind of a ham. So I think that that of came naturally to me. Well, it's funny because I have, you know, in our offices here, I have this office that has next to nothing in it. Yeah. Is there a ham? There is a ham. <laughs> <laughs> it's hanging from a rope. And every now and then I just stand up and I take a chomp. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's, it's like, just hanging there and you eat it? Yeah, I, just, I don't even have to use my hands. I just chomp at but it. But you got to refrigerate it, don't you? No, it's cured. Okay. Yeah, it's been there for four years. Um <laughs> Man, we get off on these tangents, and I and I. I know no, it throws it. Yeah, I have a picture in my office. One of the only pictures I have, and someone took a picture of both my parents. I was doing some event. It was at the Kennedy uh, Library, library mm-hmm. and you were there too. It was the Kennedy Library, and um, I was doing some event, and my parents were in the crowd. And this is maybe nine years ago. Yeah, and someone took a picture of both of them laughing at something I said, and they gave it to me, so I framed it, and I have it on my. <laughs> desk because (laughs) I have it on my desk because as a reminder that that's the only reason I do do this. I honestly think that. I mean, people have this idea that, oh, you want to make a lot of money and you wanted, you know, you wanted to have, and it's like, well, it's these other things come along that are really nice. But initially, so many of us are just trying to make both or one of those two people yeah, laugh yeah. or proud. Yeah. I know that that's been, was a, I mean, it's a big theme in your book because the book is about you losing your mother who got cancer at a fairly young age and you spending a lot of time with her and processing all of this. There's a part in the book where you say, I don't know once she's gone. I mean, this all happened before Japanese breakfast. Who am I doing this for? if not for my mom, mm-hmm. it raises the question of how do you negotiate that? 
You know, how did you, when did you come to a point where you realized, well, somewhere, is somewhere my mom seeing this or? Yeah, I mean, I think about that all the time as like a secular person of just, you know, I don't believe in an an afterlife of any kind, but there's something like so magical about the way that things happened for me. You know, I've been playing music since I was 16 years old and, uh, you know, it took I played house shows and, you know, no one cared about my band for a very long time. And after she died, I uh, was like, I'm going to, you know, r- record one more record about this experience. And then, you know, I don't care what happens. I'll like press 500 copies and, you know, sell it out of like my basement over the course of like the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, was the record that kind of took off and really resonated with people. And uh, it was like, oh, this is just like not quite the time to hang up my hat. And then after that, it was just like every everything that happened just like felt like there was this like weird force that was kind of like looking out for me. And it's it's both like, it's very bittersweet because my mom never got to see me experience any kind of success and was like so worried about living the life of an artist. But now it, it just kind of has to feel like she, she knows somehow or is like responsible for it. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less Filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. 
So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Conan. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it in Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So you put this together, your mom passes away, and you decided, well, I'm going to go into advertising. <laughs> yeah, kind of, um, yeah. Which, you know, you don't hear of a lot. You don't hear of, like, Keith Richards saying, I'm going to do some advertising for a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean— His I, ads would be awful, <laughs> by the way. They would. Boy, boy of Volkswagen. <laughs> Fucking great <laughs> car. <laughs> Keith, over here. It's not a Volkswagen. It's a Buick. Ah, fuck. Sawed off, you fucking. Um, He's just napping. Yeah. Um, but, I love the trail off at the end. Oh, I've exper I experienced it with him. We'll, we'll get back to it. But I was in an SNL sketch once when I was super young. I was in my 20s. And Keith Richards was the musical guest. And it was live. And he was in the sketch also. And we're waiting for Tom Hanks to come around to us for our part of the sketch. Keith Richards, it's, we're in the middle of a sketch that's live. <laughs> he starts talking to me and I'm, I'm, I'm holding a horse, which is important to know. And he thought that rather than me being, a, a, I'm a comedian who's supposed to say a line, I'm a comedy writer holding a horse. Wait, I'm, was it a real horse? It was a real horse. No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long, you can look it up online. Did they take it up, up in the elevator? No, yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of- I guess there's like a freight elevator. There's a massive elevator, elevator at SNL yeah, yeah. that yeah. brings everything All the up. horses, yeah. No, I mean, they could, get an, they could get an elephant up there. I mean, I'm not kidding. They, they can, it was made to get incredible stuff up there. Um, but I had a real horse and I'm holding it. And Keith Richards thought that I was the owner of the horse. And I'm-, I'm Like the handler. Like the handler. Yeah. And that it, that it was my horse. And he starts going, oh, horses, man. They did it all. And I was like- Please, please don't. Okay, um, Tom Hanks is headed this way and we've got to say a line live on TV. I've got to say my line. My line is, 
please don't, Mr. Hanks, don't touch him. That horse bites everyone. And I'm I'm so young. I'm like 23. I'm going over the lines <laughs> in my head. He's like, oh, horses. Without them, we wouldn't have built civilization. <laughs> and I keep going like, yes. Now, normally you'd think you'd be in a situation where you're talking to Keith Richards. You want hang on every word. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan. Instead, I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> shut up, Keith shut up, Richards. Shut up, shut up, shut up. I gotta say my line. Look out, Mr. Hanks, don't touch that horse. He bites everyone. Oh, I mean, you think about it. Horses are the ones. <laughs> you want him to, you wanted Keith Richards to stop talking to you. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, well, I still, he's still sometimes, yeah. He's gotta learn to shut up, that guy. Uh, <laughs> um, There's certain themes that I've seen in my life and sometimes it's almost when you give up and you're not trying anymore and you get to a place of, okay, I made this, I put it out there. It's a message in a bottle, but I don't really need it to blow up. I don't need it to become this seminal record for me. And of course it does. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. I mean, I think in a way you just like, when you let everything go and you like, have no ambitions or hopes for anything, you like almost find this like real version of yourself. And that's like what people cling to or like they can feel it in this way i i feel like when people are trying to like put on airs in a way uh you can just like smell it from a mile away when some, something is like not like i always feel like i know when people aren't singing in their real voice and i feel like i kind of finally found that with that record because yes when something's forced what i love is that audiences know it yeah when i saw you perform you just had this real joy <laughs> of being out there and the music is great, but that's also part of it is I feel like this is therapeutic for you or life-giving to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I've wanted it for so long. And so it feels so great to, to get to do it, you know, with your friends and a bunch of people wearing flower crowns. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a flower crown. I was amazed at how people were. I saw many people wearing very little clothing there. It's very hot. You weren't you weren't wearing like your Daisy Dukes and like that woven vest or anything. I was a th wearing a thong. <laughs> oh, come on. Um what, what's oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to eat here. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> I think my body's beautiful, Sona. I'm sorry. As, right. nine, I, as an 11 people buckle below <laughs> his, his, his thong ass. We trying need, to we, lift you up in your thong. <laughs> Don't touch the thong! <laughs> but pass me towards the stage. I gotta hit that medium-sized gong. <laughs> <laughs> that gong, it's not quite to my size expectations. Yeah, maybe it just looks small to you because you're very large. Yes, it's true. It's true, yes. I know, I know. We're back on that. I was amazed that your influences are, I mean, it doesn't amaze me because there's so many influences, but I love how music, again, like so many other art forms, it's this, you put a bunch of stuff in the blender. So here you are, you're a very unique, special talent. And what are you listening to? You're listening to Motown. You're listening mm. to Fleetwood Mac. You like the ya ya yas. You're, there's all this stuff coming at you. And then when you come out with your music, it doesn't sound like that music. I know that it can be inspired by that music, but it's yours. Yeah. How, how, did, that <laughs> how did that happen? Explain that. It's magical Did you to me. ask him how it happened? <laughs> yeah. It kind of sounded like yeah. you were asking Cody. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you how it happened. Uh. I have to do both sides of this? <laughs> well, it's all because I spent so much time in Korea. 
making kimchi. And <laughs> I did go to Seoul. Yeah. Oh, I watched the. I feel like I've <laughs> watched that episode. Yeah. You I had went, like a very unenthused like tutor or something. Yes, I had a. She was like not. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, I, that's my specialty is finding people. I love finding people who are not having it with yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But uh, Stephen Yun came with me, yeah. and we made a K-pop video. Uh, Wait, I didn't see that part. Oh, oh you, you oh, got to see the K-pop You got to see the K-pop video. And who yeah. was in that? Do you remember who was in the K-pop video? There was some band that since has like completely blown up. There was a girl group called Twice. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've we got a great that. picture with you and Steven and like a million girt, girt K-pop girls. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There was like, a, there was like a, an airplane set yes. where you get thrown out of an airplane. Oh, you're not leaving. <laughs> you're not crazy. leaving this until I'm, I'm going to make you watch. It's going to be your K-pop video. Three minutes. You're going to have to Do watch my K-pop Korean? video. Uh, no, I think we lip sync. Oh, no, they did have me. Yes. When we recorded the track, they did make me sing something and they, and they basically said it phonetically. And I, I did my best, yeah. whatever it was, <laughs> did, into the you mic. You did pretty well, I think. Yeah, I can carry a tune, you know. No, I meant in terms of saying, I mean, you can carry a tune. I was talking about your Korean. You did okay. I tried, but the as you know, the, the culture is, I was fascinated. I yeah. was fascinated by Seoul. Really fascinated. You're right. It is so much bigger than you would ever expect. And I was also fascinated by people knew that that I was there. And so- these young, very shy, it's very Korean, I think, to to put your hand over your mouth. These young women would come up and they'd have their hand in front of their mouth yeah. and they'd be very shy and very giggly and say, could they have a, a selfie? Yeah. And I'd say, sure. And I'd, and they're very like, oh, thank, thank you. Yeah. And then they'd lean in for the selfie and suddenly their whole body would change <laughs> and they'd go from this to yeah. <laughs> like that. And then they're back to hee hee. Yeah, and I would yeah. say to them, which yeah. is the real you? Yeah. And I think they both are. Yeah. Uh, I find myself doing that too. I think I'm just like afraid of like accidentally sp spitting on some, <laughs> you know, because like when you're really excited, when you're really excited, you're like, I hope that I like don't lose control of like my faculties. <laughs> and so I, I feel like it's a protective shield. I mean, pr I think yeah. you were way ahead of the curve with COVID. Very. Yeah. Uh, you are not from that culture, Sona, and neither am I. No, we no, We don't no. care if we're spitting all over people. Spitting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I lose my faculties all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and I'm loud, too. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, we have that in common. In, in the book, you talk about it so much, and I mentioned it. You talk about food, and I'm wondering, and, and it, I, I put down your book, and I, as moved as I was, I also wanted to fly to Seoul and have all of this food. Yeah, did you enjoy it? I loved the food yeah. there, but you were describing so many dishes that I don't think I tried. Yeah. And I'm curious, have you, because that was such an important part of your growing up and your bond with your mother and H Mart was where you could get all this incredible food. I think I went to the big market you mentioned. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I went there Hanjung. and that's where I uh, I bought a squid that I was supposed to eat. Samuel the octopus. Oh, oh the octopus. Yeah. Was it moving? It was moving and I bought it and instead tweeted out that I was going to keep it alive and people in Seoul got really behind. Like, he's going to save the octopus. <laughs> I've like never gotten more shit for eating that in the in the book. Like, I, I did like an interview uh, and so many people got really upset. Why? Uh, about, I don't know, because they watched that like octopus documentary. And oh. Now oh. I'm like a monster. 
Right. But it's so good. Yeah, and I just like, I really don't think it's that different from any other, you know, products that we, like meats that we eat, you know. But yeah, I I feel like that that octopus documentary came out and everyone, you know, became a crusader. Yeah. I hope there's not a hamburger documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Or a ham ham documentary. (laughs) (laughs) You know, pigs often write diaries. (laughs) What? They track all of their thoughts. Some of them have even written pretty good f- physics equations. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I'm still going to eat that ham. Yeah, well, if they were really that smart, they wouldn't be getting eaten. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. Sona. So you're a defense for the octopus. You're saying to the octopus, hey, if you're so smart, yeah, avoid that octopus trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why are you walking into that trap, octopus? <laughs> you walk in there, I'm going to eat you. Okay. Well, here's the good thing is Sona's going to take the heat now. <laughs> yeah. Take take the pita heat. You know, I uh, I love that you were, you're inspired by sort of sci-fi. There's like sci-fi, uh, you know, mood and also video game music, which I think is really cool because I didn't ever think of video game music as being sort of a genre or an inspiration. Of course, I grew up at a time when video game music was just <laughs> What game is that? Is that it was a very early game. Yeah. yeah. Like Ms. Pac-Man was like, oh, oh. I was getting a lot of disappointing noises because I wasn't good. <laughs> nice try, loser. Um, that was your inner monologue. That oh, that wasn't that, even. That come to think of it, I wasn't game. playing a game. That was just his inner monologue is just Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, <laughs> melting. Yeah, that's why I've never been able to be intimate with anyone. Oh, I really like you. Let's get down. Yeah, loser. What, Miss Pac-Man? Get out of my head. I'm trying to get it on. This is such a stupid interview. I apologize. You're such a talented person. I'm sorry. You deserve better. Uh, You do deserve a real interviewer. Um, But but recently, my son, who's 17, started listening to all this music. And I said, where does this come from? And he said, it's gaming music. But I was listening to it, and it's really good. Yeah. So when did, where did that, when did you start to notice? Was this something that was always happening where you're noticing different sounds that you liked? Um, I guess so. I mean, I, I was such an indoor kid <laughs> that mm-hmm. I, I just really enjoyed playing video games and, and was gifted like a Super Nintendo when I was was five and I always really enjoyed it. And I think it's really, um, I'm going to do a really bad job of expressing this, but I, I think it's a really interesting art form to interact with because it there are games that like sort of force you to make these kind of like moral decisions. And it's like the only time that you're like actively a part of like the medium in that way that makes you kind of like question your morality. So Mm -hmm. for instance, Mm -hmm. there's this game called Stardew Valley. Have you heard of it? It, It's like a farming game. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's really interesting that like uh, you can play games that like uh, have you like kill someone, which you would never do in real life. But there is like a there's this a thing called Joja Mart where it's like the corporation and you can choose whether or not you want to like go to the local um, seed. <laughs> so I can this myself. is good. I like this. You go to the local seed shop or like go to a cheaper corporation. And somehow like I've never gone to the corporation like in the game. Mm-hmm. And, and because that's like crossing a moral line within the game. Huh. But you can like… In other games, you, like, stab someone, and it's it's fine. But I think it's really interesting to, like, 
interact with no, me but, this way. But, but it's interesting that, I, I mean, I find it fascinating that you can, games are getting so sophisticated that you're making moral choices. Yeah. And what's really interesting is like first person shooter games, you're basically killing people left and right, but somehow we've been inculcated that there's this, it's not real, yeah. you know, it's not real. And I but have there's no- certain things that are like more triggering than others. Like I think it was, my, my husband was playing like Red Dead Redemption or something, mm -hmm. or, or like some game where like you had, oh. Uh, if you know the game, chime in, Blake. Maybe it's, it's like, it's not Skyrim, but it's like a similar game to that. And like he had to like kill a couple of like dogs that were like attacking him or whatever. And for some reason, like all of the people that he <laughs> had to like fight was okay. But like when you, you hit the dog and it makes a sound, it's like there's something like really- Oh, oh, oh I, I completely that, understand. Yeah. I was Ugh. watching a movie last week and people are getting, humans are getting off left and right. And then someone like kicked a small bear yeah. and the bear went like, and I, I couldn't, I left the room. I, I couldn't think, handle it. Yeah. I think that that's really interesting. I think there's a like a Bartleby short story called um, like the gerbil. And it's mm -hmm. all of these like terrible things happen in the class. Like, you know, first it's like, the gerbil dies and then it's like a kid like falls off of, you know, a, a plaything or whatever. And then they get a puppy. And when the puppy dies, that's the moment like that really, right. that's like the height of uh, tragedy, not right. like this kid, like a child that fell in the yeah, story. Yeah, but a lot but, of like, kids suck, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do. They're just such assholes. <laughs> I want my chocolate milk. <laughs> you know, I usually applaud when a child falls. <laughs> <laughs> this is our last podcast. We've this is a successful <laughs> yeah, podcast, and you're a very lovely, talented person. You've done nothing wrong, yeah, but somehow yeah. you've brought it out of yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It's your Bart. fault. Yeah. No, that's uh, hilarious to me. I, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about because um, I can't remember where we were. Where were we? I just had a really good laugh. And Sony, you don't pay attention. Oh, video games. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the morality of video games. I know that. Um, it feels to me like when I listen to your music, one of the things, or, and, and I think I even heard you say this, that you you like this kind of heroes versus villains dichotomy between good, evil, but how the line is blurred. Mm -hmm. And I always find that fascinating because I love movies. Occasionally I'll love a movie where there's, you know, you watch Die Hard and you know who the good guy is and the bad guy is Hans Gruber and there's no mistaking <laughs> that. But I'm more drawn to the movies that I think have more of a European bent where and it's, a little, it's interesting. There are people who are seem like the bad guy and people who seem like the good guy, but the lines get blurred and you feel like everybody's just trying to do their own thing yeah. and, and havoc ensues. I mean, I think that's like the purpose of art really is to just like find humanity in, uh, in, in people, you know? I mean, right. I think my favorite shows are shows like The Sopranos or like where, you know, you're, you're rooting you feel conflicted because you're rooting for a murderer. And I think it puts everything uh, into perspective, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel, I'm like you, on my- you, you obviously watched, you must have watched Sopranos on the second go around, right? Because you seem, or no, or you seem young to have watched The Sopranos. I remember when, I, I remember when it was coming out, <laughs> like my parents would like, I, I think, I, want, I wonder how old I was. I feel like I, I was definitely too young to watch The Sopranos, but my parents like loved the show so much. And I remember like, getting sent out of the room every time, like, bada-bing scene came Oh, came right, up. right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I've rewatched it many times since, and and I feel like that's that element of that show. And, and I, I feel the same way about Game of Thrones, too, where you're just, like— I, I love, like, being manipulated to, like, hate someone and, the, and then in the next scene, like, kind of, like, really fall for them. And I think that that's what yeah. great art should 
should do. It's funny you say that because I just rewatched all The Sopranos. I made it a mission and I watched all of them in like a month on my own. And I just to, and, and there's a terrific book about The Sopranos by two writers, I think, from the Star Ledger, I want to say. And it's just a great essay about each episode. So I would watch the episode, then, then read this essay. And I just got so much meaning out of rewatching it. And I'm just starting to, my son's never seen Game of Thrones, so we're just starting to watch it. Although that's difficult because there's full-on crazy nude sex yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And when you're a dad sitting in the room with your son, both of us want to die. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Both of us just want to make our hearts stop through sheer force of will and die. Yeah. Because it's not, you can't even pretend it's not happening. <laughs> and and you're not like, oh, this is cool sex. I'm cool talk, you know, about sex Oh, you can, stuff. oh, no, no. You can just do what my parents did and like send him out of the room. <laughs> know. You know, in the sixth sense, uh, you knew a ghost was in the room because they could see their breath. When I'm watching television and sex is, and I'm anyone else is in the room and sex is graphically depicted, suddenly I can see my breath. <laughs> suddenly it's like... This vapor coming out of my mouth. And it always happens just beforehand. I know it's coming. And then sure enough, thwang, you know. That is the worst sound for any sexual scene I've ever heard of. You don't think that's an accurate thwang, We have a professional musicologist artist here who will vouch that that is the exact way it sounds. <laughs> you're going to rip me off too. I know in your next album, you're going to have a huge hit with thwang, thub -da -dub -da -dub -da. <laughs> And the Grammy for best single. <laughs> Japanese breakfast with thwang, thub -da -dub -da -dub -da. And I'll be like, I know I'm going to get mentioned. Nope. You mention all your friends, <laughs> all your cool pals, and not one word for me. What's your process? How do you? I'm. I've, I don't. I don't. I, I know from that to what's your process. Well, I want to know. I've never written a song. I play guitar. I often have a guitar with me. I play guitar all the time. I love it. I, I'm always playing other people's music. I've never tried to write a song, and I, I think I have a block against it. I don't know. I don't think I could be emotionally vulnerable and write a song. If I wrote a song, I it would be. I, a, there's a lot of people that aren't emotionally vulnerable in, in their songs. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. So you're meaning. I feel, I feel like Twang Thumbra Thumbra could be like a Chumbawamba song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, get knocked down. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't. I don't. I guess it has vulnerability in it now, now that I think about it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've talked to. Like, do you think WAP has a lot of. Vulnerability. Uh, oh my like god! Like you could have like a hype anthem. Like maybe that's more of your. Maybe direction. that more you know? like a bragging. Yeah. I'm all that. Yeah. Right. No one wants to probably hear me open up about my inner hurt. No. I mean, maybe they do. <laughs> no, they don't. But there are many, you know. Ins. Oh my god! You know what I also saw? I mean, I know this has probably been commented on a lot, but we went and saw, we went over and saw Megan Thee Stallion yeah. perform, and there's a person, a woman doing. Sign language. Oh, yeah. And um, people must, I'm sure they all notice this and it's been talked about in their videos. But I was in the crowd watching this woman. She's singing so fast, the lyrics. Yeah. yeah. She's singing the lyrics and it is hardcore. And this woman who looks like 
she would, uh, you know, break into a telethon on PBS and say, if you'd like to get your tote bag, <laughs> the number is one three two three forty four. This woman's there and sh she's acting out with her hands. Yeah. The most graphic stuff with no expression on her face. Oh, no. No. Some of them are really like stoked, though. Like yeah. they have like their own performance right. style. Right. That's a whole other. And they I like mean, dance along I've with it. I've seen those. Like, those sorry. are fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Especially at, at rap but, shows. <laughs> yeah. They're amazing. Because they know all the stuff beforehand and they get really into it. Right. I mean, you could go down a YouTube rabbit hole of sign language interpreters. I was blown away by that. I mean, I couldn't, I had a hard time paying attention to Megan Thee Stallion. I just, cause I, my eyes were riveted on this woman. I was just <laughs> amazed by, and what she was- Her deadpan like- Yeah, I mean, she wasn't exactly deadpan, yeah. but also she also looked like I might have to leave soon to close the library. <laughs> you know, it's, but I don't know how you, do you consciously sit down to write a song or does something come to you? Yeah, I feel like very, uh, when I was younger, I feel like I, I was like waiting for the spirit um, to possess me or something. Mm -hmm, but now mm -hmm. I feel like it's more of like a faucet, you know, like I feel like I I put myself in an environment that I know is, is going to be conducive to like writing. Like I go into like a forest or something, like a, like a cottage in the woods. And, and, and you write on the guitar. I do usually write on the guitar. For the last record, I I kind of tried to like find new ways to um, push myself out of my comfort zone and write on piano or, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I actually just draw like on a MIDI board of like, because I don't have like a very strong theory knowledge. So if I like hear the chord I want, it's actually really helpful. You can like drag a bar of like a, do you know what MIDI is? I don't. Uh, it's, I, I don't, I don't know if I can, it's just like a, like a, I don't know, like you can like drag a note sort of like on a, on a graph and like mm -hmm. it'll make a sound. Is it a program? Um, can you please explain that? Yeah, it's, it's a language. Yeah, so it's like a computer language that allows you to write music. Uh, you can transpose every note or chord via this MIDI language, mm. and it'll spit out the note, and ah. you can make chords. And it's the way all modern music is now mostly made, you know, via computers. Ah, so you could say if uh, if you knew, okay, uh, it's it's a G, but it's not a G. I, I want it to have something. I want it to have a slightly different. You could on MIDI maybe play with the G and get a G suspended seventh, right, right, ninth, right. yeah, without knowing that that's what you're getting. Exactly. Okay, exactly. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So you can like have the G on the bass and then like with another note like drag it until it makes the sound. You're like, oh, it's that chord, and that sometimes that would take me a much longer time to find on the guitar with my personal. Mind. Do you um do you think that it might learning theory might actually get in the way of your creative process um, ever? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I started taking some lessons. I mean, I hear that. Uh, like, but in in my experience, like even just like learning a very, very small amount of theory has been really help, helpful for me. Because yeah. you're just like, oh, I can't believe I got this far without like knowing right. what makes certain songs I'm just curious because I've never had any of that. And I'm, I'm now even at this stage in life thinking, I think I need a teacher now. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, it's been years and years and years of me having people kind of show me songs I want to play or riffs I want yeah. to play. And so I I think I have a jukebox in my, when I pick up a guitar, there's a lot of songs I can play. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know what 
how the hell it all works. Right, right. And maybe knowing how it worked would be fun for me at this stage. <clears throat> I, th- I think so. And I think that, like, even if you learn too much in a way that inhibits you, there's always ways to, like, kind of unlearn it. Like, I found that I took, you know, some more guitar lessons and, and found that was helpful. And then when it was no longer helpful, then you can just, like, put a capo on or change the tuning, and then you just, you don't know any, <laughs> anymore what you're doing. So I feel like there are weird tricks to, like, get to protect yourself from from that ruining something. But for me, I, I found it to be really helpful. And I feel like when you listen to music, I mean, there's a way to interact with music that's like, oh, that's like haunting or that's interesting or then, you know, or that's just like a minor third, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like you're all like chasing, they're just like different ways to like chase a feeling. Or something. All I ever heard when I was first playing guitar, some some guy told me, minor chords are the ones that make girls fall in love with you. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was like, Really? <laughs> And then sure enough, you play an A minor and you're like, well, I did and nothing happened. No one was interested. But um, but it, you could kind of see like, oh, I see how what minor chords do. Yeah, yeah. You know, E is like, yeah, E, but E minor. <laughs> He's kind of dreamy. <laughs> said, okay. said no one. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been a joy. It's been an absolute joy. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for giving me street cred with my daughter. Oh, I'm so... Nev uh, is, um, you know, I'm going to lord this over her. And she uh, actually, last night, so I had read your book and uh, had been listening a lot to your music. And then she called me last night to just make sure that I didn't screw things up today. (laughs) She sounds so cool. I'm very... She she is... I feel very indebted to her. She's very cool. Um, And, but I'm indebted to her for uh, for bringing me to Coachella <laughs> so that uh, I, I got to see you do your thing. And I love that you came in and talked to me. This is amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank you all. Well, don't thank them. They don't really do much. <laughs> he's he, on, he he's just on MIDI. defined MIDI, which was <laughs> incredible. Yeah. yeah, but he's basically, he's been watching. I had my own like Miss Pac-Man just like melting down. <laughs> <laughs> MIDI, it's kind of a, <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. And we got to write that song. What is it? Thwang, thubbada, dubbada, dubbada. Oh, yeah. Thwang, thubbada, thubbada, thubbada. I'm I telling think. you, that's going to be huge. Yeah. You you can come out in your thong when you perform it. <laughs> it's going to be right up there with... <laughs> what is it? Jump around? Yeah. No. I got to wear a Celtics jersey and jump around in my video. Thwang, thubbada, dubbada. You know, white guys jumping around. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Wearing a Boston shirt. Um, yeah, that that could be your thing. Sure, yeah, it's so lovable. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you. Very cool. Thank you. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to That's check out brunch. Boy. That's brunch. all right. 
Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. (laughs) I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com slash Conan. Not too long ago on a Conan O'Brien Needs a Fan episode, we spoke to Carlos, who does a drag act, and his drag character's name was Red Velvet. Mm -hmm. And we workshopped trying to come up with a drag character name for you, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because in a recent episode, Cherry Stag came up, which is pretty good. Well, Cherry Stag, yeah, we were talking to uh, a gentleman in uh, England. He lives in a very old town in England. And I noticed he was drinking something as we were having uh, the interview. And he said, uh, it's a red stag, cherry stag. Right. Which I didn't know. Do you know that drink? I don't know. No, I've never heard of that. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah. I don't know what he said it was, but, uh, and then it came up that that would be a good drag name for me. Well, some fans have written in with a wonderful list of some possible drag names for you. Mm Okay. Okay. This is good. I have very creative fans and I'm sure these are top notch. Yeah. (laughs) They are. Anna suggests... Conan the Barbara. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. This is one I thought of myself too when I was editing the episode and was going to title it this, The Red Menace. That's pretty good. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. Because I am kind of a menace. Yeah. Um, but that that's, means, that doesn't feel draggy to me. The Red, yeah. yeah. The Red Menace. That's no, just kind of what you are in real life. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's more of my real name. Yeah. should be The Red Menace. I'm going to call you that. That yeah. was Philip Spiegel who sent that in. Okay. Uh, Jonathan V. suggested translucent long stocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Translucent long stocking. <laughs> you know, I like it. I like it. Lily says, pomp adore. Hey, oh, that one's my favorite. That's pretty so good. Pomp, huh? adore. Yeah. I mean, I like translucent long stocking too, but that's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah you know, is. that's for an MC to go and here's translucent long stocking. You know, that's yeah. a lot to get out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So pomp, adore. Yeah, two words. Pump. Yeah. Pump? Pump. No, pomp. 
It is pomp, but I yeah, get like, what you're Oh, I thought pump. it was pompadour. No, pompadour is good too. Oh, I no, like pomp. It's pompadour. Okay. It's pomp. I know. I know the word is pompadour, but I'm saying I thought she was doing pump. Like two puns. Yes. What's she was pump? Pun- like you know what has to be when oh, you're like you know, you know just, pump. Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant I I need a pump. Oh God. A pump? Of, what are you gonna pump? Well. Oh, you have to pump it up oh, like a basketball. Like you're you have to hide the the peepee when yeah. you're doing drag. Yeah. You don't. Oh, trust pump me, it. I've been. Tucking for a long time. <laughs> you got to let the air out. I, I, in just regular life? Just it, my jeans fit better. Right now? Yeah. Oh, You're oh I'm tucked. <sighs> yeah. Way back. I just find it's a, the jeans fit. Everything just fits better. Uh, yeah. Where are, I, are you tucking it behind on the outside or are you tucking it in a little pocket somewhere? We don't, we don't need, we don't well, know. I'm no, glad we don't you need to, need but that. we want to know. I, oh, no, we don't. I, I, uh, I tuck straight back. Uh-huh. And then uh, I use um, it's electrician's tape to just hold everything uh, sort of where it needs to be. So if you didn't tape it, there'd be like almost like a little lever coming about the back, like oh, a nutcracker. Okay, I, I think that's enough. Well, I just enough. say a little what? lever. I think that's oh, well, enough. No, I, I look, I I look like a, from the behind. I look like a slot machine. I think that's uh, enough. Yeah, you just pull that crank and you see what comes out. <laughs> Um, oh God! Uh, was, it, was it Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs who yeah. was also doing that? Yeah, Did yeah. That, that's, where I got, that's where I learned how to do it. Oh, okay. Really? I was like, oh, okay, that might help. That just might be a good idea. I'm more aerodynamic. Um, this is back when I ran track, <laughs> so I learned. So you tucked and ran? Oh, you that tuck and run? Virtually impossible because you have to use the friction of your legs to keep it in. Well, listen, I don't know how you run, but I'm going to tell you that <laughs> you when know. I'm just if anyone out there is a sprinter or even if you're doing distance. A tuck and run. And uh, you go, I mean, there's so much less wind resistance. Uh, mm. You really move fast. You just, you you fly through the air. It's incredible. Okay. What a stupid and awful conversation. I would love if the topic changed right now. What's the next name? Can we this please is, stop talking? Isn't this a pump, by the way? That's, that's a pump. I thought you were saying from pump. Oh, I thought, what, oh. see, I was like, thinking, that's track, why I right? thought it was like pun, punful, because yeah. it's a shoe, it's pump. I don't think you thought of the shoe, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think, you know why I did think of the shoe, but that's not a drag shoe. A pump is not a drag shoe. Yeah. Stilettos are drag shoes, yeah. I think. Okay. Have, have you I'm ever not worn ex- heels? I'm not. Uh, I have in sketches. Yeah, I've, had to, I I've had to wear heels in sketches sometimes in the past when, uh, and don't understand how anybody does that for yeah. eight seconds, no. more than eight seconds. It Same. is horrific. Yeah, it is. It is. I don't know how women do it. Me either. Makes our legs look good. Does mm. it? Yeah. It mm. does. It just does. But it is horrible. I I hate heels. Yeah. Have I, you worn like, heels and tucked? Oh well, yeah. If I'm going to Matt, if I'm going to tuck, I might as well wear heels as well. Matt, why are we? I, I'm why sorry, are we? I didn't mean if you're going to do back. one, you might as well do the other. You're halfway there. Go for it. Okay. Next, here we next go. Now let's not have there be a whole thing about you know I am uh, whatever a. a I am a, a straight male, but right. I like to tuck. Okay. You know? okay. It's, it, it, All right. It works let's for me. move past it. All right. Okay. The next please, one's from please. Matt Gorley. Like Fryer Tuck. <laughs> Fryer Tuck. I like Fryer Tuck. And I would get the the, oh, the monk's haircut, you know, where it's bald on top, and there's a fringe, and I would be Fryer. I like Fryer Tuck. Have you been to a drag show ever? It's supposed to no. be Do you know sexy. what drag is? No. Yeah. For someone who tucks constantly and likes to wear heels, I'm shocked that I haven't been to a drag show <laughs> oh my god shocked magnolia suggests strawberry tall cake 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I see that. Seth Moore suggests Lady Fred von Richthofen, who, of course, you would know is the uh, Red Baron. Of course. Yeah. yeah of course. Uh, Paul Hieronymus suggests The Ginger Ninja by Paul Hieronymus. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like Friar Tuck a lot. <laughs> Ginger Ninja. You, you know Friar Tuck is a joke one that Matt just, just did. Oh, okay. Oh, but I, you I, like I, it. I do. If, uh, if someone had called in... Why do we disqualify Matt? Yeah. Just because he said Friar Tuck and I, I liked it. Okay. And I, I all get right. royalties on that too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we'll make that, a lot of money. Yeah, that's that. gonna be so much. <laughs> Windfall right there. Uh, and that's that's essentially the the long and short of it. So there's some really good ones in there. Yeah. Um a lot to think about here. Ginger Ninja's very good. Uh I don't know. You know, Friar Tuck. I'm I'm you might have it, Matt. Wow. Okay, there it you is. Know? Um, but I think you know, I don't know a lot about uh, drag. Like, I don't know that I would be a good performer in drag. I think you're a great performer as your as yourself. I don't think you have the chops for drag. Now, I'm what, sorry. what is it you think? Honest, be honest. What am I lacking? There is a there is a level of showmanship that I think goes beyond what you've been trained to do, and yeah. that is a lot of letting go and a lot of you know just enjoying Plus, like, it. And, a certain amount of elegance and kind of yes. uh, technique. So there know? there aren't any uh, drag queens whose character is very uh, uptight. Um, self-loathing that's not like a way to go that is yeah no that's that doesn't seem to draw a lot of crowds in but yeah. maybe you can be groundbreaking in that sense <laughs> be the first drag queen that people are going to be depressed when what is, they go Ru see what is, what is RuPaul's show is it RuPaul's drag race drag race yeah, yeah. <clears throat> if you can get on RuPaul's drag race well you said you're aerodynamic and it's a race that's true. Yeah. Uh, but I, if I'm, I mean, I'm halfway there. I know right. how to do uh, some of it. Uh, you're way less than halfway there. Yeah. Way, way less than halfway there. You have yeah. so much work to do. Do you want to be on RuPaul's Drag Race as like a contestant? I think I should just be there to, con you know, consult on lighting. <laughs> I, I don't think I should have anything to do with being in drag because I think I would be absolutely terrible. Yeah, you yeah. know you would. I'm not saying catering. anything that's hurting your feelings. Yeah. You no. know you wouldn't be good at drag. No, I wouldn't be good at drag. Nah. All right. Well, we we learned a lot here, and uh, I we learned also learned nothing. Yeah, which well, is really the formula of this program. So Once again, much, we broke even. So much yeah. conversation about tucking, though, that I just oh, you brought it back. Forget. So I you know. Keep it going. No, no, no. We're good. Okay. I think that's wrap it up. All right. You Sometimes you have it. to wrap it up to tuck it. <laughs> okay, Jesus, it's a little mummy, mummify it. Okay, a little bit, stop especially it. if you're not mummify it. it. Just let it dehydrate fuck a little. Are you mummifying well, it? Well, you got to kind of let it shrink a little and then get it up. What there. are you talking <laughs> about? You've thought about this a lot. I don't what? even have a penis, and I know that doesn't make sense. Uh. Come on, I would be so much better at tucking than the two of you. Ooh, that sounds okay. like a challenge. Go. <laughs> Go Someone give me a penis. <laughs> well, I left mine at home. <laughs> My wife took mine in 2009. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Please, God. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. 
You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo, and in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host, Scott Augerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast. Listen every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.